Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, my name's Aid, and with me this week I have the boy Wanda and Sick Note. There's all three of us here this week. Uh, Rach, how you doing? Hi, hi Aid, I'm back. Woo! I've got a voice back and everything. It's been an interesting and very rocky start to 2018 for me, hasn't it? Um, all these illnesses, it hasn't been much fun. Um, and today I'm packaged up like a cross between Pudsy Bear and a pirate because I've uh, developed an eye infection. Hooray! <laughs> Which is great for a photographer. Um, so uh, I've been making the most of uh, Mike's Shoot Film Co's um, Sunny 16 patch to uh, make it a little bit more interesting because uh, I couldn't be doing with just the NHS normal um, normal eye patch. I have to. I had to add a little bit of extra something to it so yeah so uh, hopefully a couple of couple of days and hopefully the antibiotics will kick in and um at the minute i look like i've been in a bit of a fight which i haven't <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh it's an interesting colored eye at the moment that i have but at least i have a voice so um that's the main thing for a podcast you have, you have a voice that's good yes and uh, shout out to toby van der Velde, who was the one that christened you sick no, no, no oh well, thanks toby well, i didn't notice that oh, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> sick no jeremy Ill. now we just need a name for you, Aid. I think I'll stick with Aid if it's all right with you. But how are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, thank you, dude. Very well, yeah. Um, I've actually managed to get some film developed this week, so that's pretty amazing. I actually did something photography-related. Yeah, I'm very proud of myself, yeah. Um, but uh, no, all good and very much looking forward to the conversation this week. And also, I just want to mention, just in case we forget about it later, because we're not quite sure yet when it's going to go out, but um, Rach did a podcast this week, and I want to make it public to know how awesome that podcast was the uh, ladies who shoot film podcast that was great oh well yes and of course it not 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 been uh published yet has it so uh well who knows it might have been by the time this goes out okay so so what i've kept silent about so far is we also have a super special guest this week so graham why don't you introduce our super special guest we do have a wonderful guest with us this week. Joining us this week is Stephen Dowling, uh, somebody who I'm sure is well known to everybody, um, best known uh, for his starring role in The Mighty Ducks. Um, Stephen, what was it like working alongside Emilio Estevez? It's just so long ago, really. I mean, you know, ice hockey is a is a terrible <laughs> mistress. <laughs> Okay. I, re- I remember looking up my own name in about 1995 when uh, the internet was uh, uh, compared to what it is now. <laughs> and, and that was what came up, that somebody who starred in a, a, a film called The Muddy Ducks playing himself, I think. He was yeah. a, an ice hockey referee. He looks like a very nice chap, but not the Stephen Dowling we have on the line tonight. The Stephen Dowling is the far more important to us one. Um, from Cosmo Photo, of course, uh, and before that, Zorky Photo, um, yes. and writer of many blogs and provider of uh, the Cosmo Photo film, which is uh, hit this now. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you very much. So... I wanted to ask you because I did all of five minutes research and most of that was about the guy who was in the Mighty Ducks because, you know, he just seems like a nice <laughs> chap. He's got a really amiable face. But um, in, in the 30 seconds I had left, um, I was reading about how um, your entry into photography, you, you're a journalist and you've been working in journalism for a good few years now and um i don't know whether it was where you started but certainly where your early part of your work was in music journalism yeah and and you got into film photography whilst working as a journalist um 
I, I can understand why when you got into it, uh, film photography was a natural choice because that was still the dominant form at the time. But you you stuck with it since then. Um, given that you were doing a lot of shooting at gigs and stuff like that, why did you stick with film? Well, um, I just like everything about film, really. I suppose I'm one of those people who'll come up with a, a broadly similar um, reason, as, as many people will. Um, it's just everything from the cameras to the grain of film to the whole sort of tactile nature of of loading a film and like the the noises that film cameras make and just all that stuff really and I you know I'm I'm not knocking digital I've got you know plenty of friends who love shooting digital cameras but from, from pretty much the very first time I used one I just wasn't getting the same reaction um but it's it's an no it's a an odd thing to say it's it just didn't feel the same. And the work you were doing at the time, because I've seen some of the photos, you, there's a, a blog you did um, for um, Jeremy Hunt over on Japan Camera Hunter. And um, there's some great pictures of some of your work that you did out there. Was that stuff that you were doing for yourself or was it actually part of the, your work as a journalist there? No. So all, all of my photography is just personal stuff, really. Uh, when I was a music journalist, I was a writer. Uh, and I would say I had a couple of stories where I'd do the um, photography myself, but uh, most of the time it was relying on, on on other photographers or you know handouts from um, from the press agencies. Um, but the uh, the project you're talking about was uh, basically soundcheck photography. I'd, I'd gone to a lot of gigs and. Um, sort of hung around waiting for bands finishing sound checks to do interviews uh, over the course of my career. And I just found that there was a, a completely different atmosphere um, at a sound check. People are performing, but they're not really performing. And, you know, the venues, you can have something that two hours later is packed with 3,000 people. At a sound check, there'll be three or four people other than the band. So you get a totally different atmosphere. So it was, it just seemed like an interesting thing to capture. And I'd, I'd made friends with a band from the US called Lamb Chop, a band from Nashville. And I thought that I would like maybe follow them around a few shows in Europe when they came and did a European tour and just take sort of concert and soundcheck photos. So I did that. The, the first one was in 2004. And I went to Zagreb in Croatia with Lamb Chop. And it sort of snowballed from there. For a little while, it was shooting uh, shooting Lamb Chop. I, I went and did them in Moscow a few months after that. And then sort of keep practicing and, um, you know, you know, make sure I was keeping my skills, uh, you know, school set going I just uh, would ask you know other bands I knew would it be all right to shoot one of your um, sound checks and it just sort of without even really having a plan or trying to to you know 
have an idea of where it would go. I suddenly turned around and I had maybe 12 bands that I'd shot. And some of them were quite big. They were Franz Ferdinand and um, Manic Street Preachers and Calexico. And so I thought, well, actually I've got something here which could make a book one day or an exhibition. So I, I just sort of ploughed away whilst I was still working in, in journalism. For a while, I, I stopped doing uh, music writing for about five years uh, and just worked at the BBC as, as more of a sort of general reporter, writer. Um, and then I came back to music journalism um, and I did a sort of another burst of activity and did another, you know, seven or eight bands. And, yeah, after about 10 years, I think I had nearly nearly 30 bands that I'd shot in various places around the world, gone on tour with a couple of bands. And it was all shot on film. Uh, up until Fuji killed it in their <laughs> wisdom, it was Fuji Neopan, which was such an amazing film. Um, because I was shooting uh, sound checks, which, I mean, compared to a show, there's just a fraction of the lights. So you're, you're using like very direct spotlights and stuff like that. Um, you, you really need to push the film up. So I was often shooting handheld at 6,400 and, and only just getting like a, a fast enough shutter speed to avoid camera shake. What kind of um, kit were you using, Stephen, for that? So I played around um, just with basically anything that was to hand. And I'm that kind of guy who has a massive camera collection, um, just because I like old cameras. Uh, but the proviso is they have to work because I want to shoot mm -hmm. them rather than just leave them sitting in a cupboard. So uh, for the first few years, there was... Um, you know, whatever was uh, was to hand. I, I shot a lot um, with a Japanese camera. It was a camera that Cosina bought out in 2003, um, which was an M42 mount camera. They sort of bought it back. And this is like just as digital was really starting to take a hold. They bought out a new SLR that would take screw mount lenses. Uh, it was a great little camera. It was called the Bessaflex. So I bought a couple of those and I would use them when I was traveling or during these sound checks. Um, but then I sort of gravitated towards using Nikon gear for that. And I'm, I'm totally not a Nikon head, um, e even though they do fantastic cameras. I mean, basically with me, if there's a cheap, slightly unreliable Soviet equivalent, I'll shoot with that. Um, but when it came to, you know, maybe having one opportunity to shoot a band, I'll, I'll act like a grown-up and shoot it on a Nikon. So um, since about 2006, uh, I shoot with a Nikon F100 and an FM2N. I did use a, um, a zoom lens for a while, but now I've even stopped using that. I use an 85 and a 50mm. Just because I, I remember reading an article, unfortunately I can't remember what it was about in terms of which project it was talking about, but this photographer said, if you 
hone things down to one or two focal lengths and use the same film stock, that's the best thing you can do if you're shooting a project that you know you'll revisit over months or years because it will just give that uniformity of look. Um, and I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll try that. So that was that was fine until 2013 and Neopan got killed. But we still have Tri-X. So um, since, since 2014, when I used up the last of my Neopan, I've been shooting on Tri-X, which is obviously a, a fantastic film, and I've been using it um, anyway just when I needed to shoot shoot on black and white and it wasn't super bright conditions so it's uh, if, if Kodak are listening um, Trix is a great film and I've really enjoyed using it uh, <laughs> on my soundtrack sessions project and your address if they want to post you any is <laughs> I, mean, are you oh, still I wouldn't pushing? be that vulgar please <laughs> oh I would I would um, <laughs> although it rarely works we tried this stunt with uh, Bellamy when he was on the show to get Rachel some film has any turned up yet Rach? Not yet. <laughs> Rude, Bellamy. Um, However, I did get a solar can from Sam, though. There so you that's go. really well, nice. Yeah. He just seems like a nicer person than Bellamy. <laughs> well, um, by, by several several factors, I would, oh, uh, God. I would say. By, Undoubtedly. By Undoubtedly. Um, you, your first website that I was aware of, um, and I think it's now been shuttered as Cosmophoto was launched, um, was Zorky Photo. Um, yeah. So I would love to know what led to your early uh, enjoyment, and that's clearly carried on, you know, with the, the packaging for your new film. The, the, your influences are quite clear. What is it about? Because I mean, I I share some of these feelings, and I do not understand why I have them for um, Russian and, and you know East German cameras. What what is it that made you want to start a website that was kind of focused around them in the first instance? I. Again, it's one of those things that you, you you find yourself doing something and you just think, hang on, why am I doing this again? <laughs> I seem to be enjoying it. Um, I don't know. Masochism, I, I suspect, is the answer. I, I, I would go back to, okay, so in the late 1990s, and I'll, I'll try and speed it up because uh, I don't want to sound like Orson Welles <laughs> over one too many whiskeys. <laughs> but... Um, in the late 90s, I sort of got seriously into photography. And I'd, I'd had cameras, but, um, you know, they were point-and-shoot EOS 300s and EOS 50s. Really good cameras, but, um, you know, they did most of the thinking for you. But I bought a couple of photography books, and um, my mum had been an art teacher, so I think there was always just something underneath you know, that, you know, I'd, I'd ploughed into writing, but maybe there was a sort of a more sort of visual itch that needed to be scratched. Um, and I sort of read all these books and they, they were like, you know, use, use manual um, mode on your SLR. So I was doing that. I turned off all the bells and whistles and even turned off the, um, autofocus on the lenses and I got to the point where I was like well why don't I just buy a, a, a manual SLR and um, you know learn it from the ground up so that's what I did it was about the end of 2000 I bought an old Practica from a um, 
a really nice uh, camera shop at the British Museum, which is one of several around there that's closed down in the last few years. Um, I bought a, an old practica, and the same week I bought a little Lomo LCA compact. And my life has never been the same since because mm. I'd always had a, a sort of an interest in Eastern Europe and Soviet Union for some reason. I think probably part of being a kid growing up in the 80s and, and that whole area being very far away from New Zealand and also closed off, you sort of you find it quite fascinating because it's, it's hard to find, much, uh, find out much about it. So it was only when I sort of bought that Practica and, um, and the Lomo that I, I sort of started researching and, you know, finding about, out about this huge camera industry that the Soviets had during the Cold War and the, and the East Germans as well. It was the second biggest uh, in the world compared to Japan. And I, it was just a rabbit hole, really. And, and even in the... Uh, 2000, 2001, which, you know, the web was a fraction of the size it is now, there was still quite a few like, pretty good resources and a lot of people who'd taken the time to sort of write quite good articles and histories and buying guides and tips and tricks. So it was it was actually quite easy to sort of get a, a sort of sense of this thing. And then that coincided with the rise of eBay and suddenly these things could be bought. Um, I'm, I'm old enough to remember like actually having to pay for stuff on eBay through Western Union or MoneyGram, <laughs> like walking to the, the MoneyGram office and Western Union office in West Hampstead and in London to pay for packages to be sent from Ukraine. It's like kids these days, they don't know they're born. <laughs> so you started importing these cameras and writing um i mean I, not some i wouldn't even call them necessarily reviews i mean they were but they were more kind of explorations of your findings using them i i yeah. I, I, I visited your site on quite a few occasions um mainly that am i am i just doing something wrong here or is this really really built to just drive me up the wall the answer seemed to mostly be the latter um, well, if, if it was built on the wrong day and the uh, technician uh, who was building it was in a bad mood i think probably yes that is the delightful thing about Russian cameras that they they have that very handmade charm and and handmade by somebody who perhaps perhaps just did not care at all on the day that he was making it. Yeah. Um, and has all the stuff from Zorky Photo now just migrated over to um, Cosmo Photo? Yes. So um, so the reason that Zorky Photo is no more is because. Um, I never heard a peep from them until I announced the film. There is a company in Russia that still owns the trademark Zorki, mm -hmm. but they only own it in Russia. So uh, I had checked this when I did my, uh, when I set the blog up, um, which was in 2012 and just checked that Zorki was not a trademark and it wasn't being used in the UK or the EU or the US, and it wasn't. 
but I think um, I think when I announced I was doing a film and it, it got quite a lot of write-ups by blogs in Eastern Europe and in Russia uh, the somebody sent me a message um, perfectly friendly but I think they wanted some money out of me if I was going to continue using the name Zorky, mm. um, which is fair enough because, uh, yeah, it was a, a Soviet photographic trademark and I, um, you know, I checked that it wasn't being used, but I suppose I'd uh, maybe naively um, thought that uh, it, it had gone into the dustbin of history. But no, um, an arms company. <laughs> own uh, own the rights to the name Zorki, and if I've learned nothing in life, uh, it's don't piss off Russian arm, arms companies. Yeah, or fund them. You're not going to make that mistake again, are you? <laughs> Gosh. So, so, so yes. So, um, if there's a, a missile strike on Blackheath this week, <laughs> uh, that, that'll be why. <laughs> um. So, Cosmophoto w- was born out of that then as you yeah. as your dad so you've worked as a journalist for pretty much your entire life you've been shooting yes. film for um god it must be heading on towards 20 years now would that be about Almost. right seriously yeah, yeah. 17 years something like that uh, and taking, oh, just before we move past it completely because i i meant to ask um with your uh um band photographs what was the end outcome with these did these become an exhibition or a book or anything like that well yeah uh I mean, it's it's not it's not stopped as a project. I've just taken a, a bit of time off from it um, just to uh, launch the film. Really, um, I I did an exhibition. Uh, well, I've done three so far actually, and the first one was in a cafe and art space in Romania called the Zorki Photo Cafe. Um, which was a, um, a very odd coincidence I found when the blog um, was still called Zorky Photo and that, um, that cafe is still going. Um, they haven't had any letters from Russian arms companies. Uh, and that's in, um, in Romania. It's a really, really great place. Uh, if you ever find yourselves in Transylvania, um, do go. Yeah. They literally have walls of cameras. Um, so uh, I did one there and then I did another in Paris Um, so the Romanian one was 2014 2015 I did one in Paris and I did one at the Lomography um, store in Soho Um, so that that was after I think I'd reached about 25 bands that I'd taken shots of Um, Sorry. If people want to see, so if people want to see this work now, is there a place to go to, um, or a, a website that's dedicated to that, or is it a case of wait until you, wait until it moves forward again? I think uh, looking through the blog, uh, Cosmophoto, all, all that stuff that was published on um, Zorky Photo is still there. All that's changed is the um, front bit of the name, so uh, of, of the URL. Sorry, so. So if you saw something on my music photography back in the Zorky photo days, it's still there. You can just search for it. Um, it's all on Flickr, uh, but that's uh, not not a particularly easy site to search for, uh, search through, sorry. Um, even though I, I still think it's probably the best uh, online home if you're a, a film photographer. Though strangely, 
um, Instagram is seeming to really build a, a a new generation of film photographers online. Something I've noticed uh, the last year or so. There's yeah. a lot of film photographers on Instagram now. Yeah, that's right. We're talking about this new generation of film photographers, which yeah, leads us back seamlessly to this new film or um, uh, uh, this the Cosmo Photo Mono. So yes. why just why why after years of engaging with photography um you know and writing about photography and obviously being very passionate about it as a hobby um and trying to you you're an ambassador of analog photography you are trying to encourage people to get in there and give it a go um but what made you think okay i i would like to take this step of of bringing this film to people well i hate to give him a big head um, but it's probably down to Bellamy, uh, <laughs> Bellamy Hunt of a website, which I probably can't mention because, of, uh, yeah. Because um, of its links with Russian arms dealers, I think that's the <laughs> reason why. Or, or the Yakuza. Or, or <laughs> um, yeah, it's down to Bellamy, basically, because I, was, I can remember the day that I saw he was launching Streetpan, and I just thought, that's such a cool thing to do. Uh, I, I was shell-shocked for the rest of the day in a good way and not in a, you know, we hate it when our friends become successful. I, I wish I'd done this. I now hate him. Um, it was more like, that's amazing. He's amazing. Today is amazing. Um, I just thought that was just a brilliant thing to do and that, uh, you know, you can point to all the things that um, Bellamy had done over the, the previous years uh, building up the blog, especially uh, as a real sort of advocate for film photography. But I think launching a film, that's putting your money where your mouth is. Um, so I just thought, okay, well, I'd like to do something similar. Now, uh, I had a certain idea of the kind of film I wanted to do, but that was proving too hard to get off the ground. Um and so I thought, well, the negotiations, I think is the right word to say, I was having made me think, well, it's something I could maybe do in the future. But I thought, well, why don't I look at doing uh, another film um, beforehand, an existing film, and package it and build something around it. So I settled upon a black and white film that I'd been using for some years and that I really liked uh, and has been the source of the, which particular film it is, has been the source of a lot of um, uh, groaning and cursing and hissy fitting and <laughs> pant wetting on various <laughs> forums over the last um, year or so. But hey, at least they're talking about me. Um, so I've, this film, which is made in Europe, uh, in a country that used to be behind uh, the Iron Curtain, um, but is no longer, so um, narrow it down, folks. Um, I approached the, uh, the company that made this film, and I heard nothing, um, because probably they thought, who was this chancer? And then... My friends, who I, I know has been talked about 
before tonight on various um, Sunny 16 conversations. Uh, Heinz um, Bosch from uh, uh, Impossible, now Polaroid Originals. Um, he knew I was trying to get in contact with these guys and he just basically uh, came up to them and <laughs> at Photokina and I think he's, he might have scared them because <laughs> um, he's a very tall uh, Austrian man. Um, but lo and behold, the next time I sent an email, it was answered. Um, and ever since then, it's been, a, I have to say, a, a pretty much painless um, painless procedure in, in getting a, this film, Cosmo Photo Mano, um, out of my head and actually into people's cameras. Uh, it's been a, a really fun thing to do. Um, I've spent a bit too much of my time standing in post office queues and um, and packing them into boxes, if I'm honest. But, uh, you know, you've got to start somewhere. Um, it, it's just been a really fun, interesting thing to do. I've met loads of photographers from around the world. Um, some of them have bought my film and used it and sent me pictures and... Uh, it's just a, a brilliant thing to do. Uh, it really boils down to to that. A few of it's, our listeners actually had, had put a few um, photos up from Cosmo Photo as well, which is really nice, seeing that they've been out and about shooting with that and then posting it on our Facebook page. So uh, I think I maybe sent those over to you, Stephen, and I was really, really yeah. impressed with those. They look great. And, it, I mean, that's, that. Uh, you know, I know people... Uh, get very sick of this sort of like oh it's all about the community man but um, that is that's something to be said for the internet is uh, it does help you connect with people who see um, see the world uh, in a similar way to you um, and you know if it whether it be music or you know writing or you know a band that you absolutely love or a particular brand of soviet camera or um you know whatever it's it's amazing how uh, how the internet bridges those gaps and the uh, you know while the film photography industry wouldn't have collapsed the way it did in the early 2000s um if they had hadn't been an internet and all the stuff that comes with it, you know, digital cameras and smartphones and everything, there would have been no revival were it not for all the places where, you know, people who love film gather, you know, whether it be a pug or, you know, the Facebook groups or Lomography or, you know, blogs like Bellamy's or Hamish Gills or, um, you know, just all those myriad little forums and and places where people talk about film photography you know it's it's allowed people to like fight back and you know make sure that big companies still make film and this this kind of community engagement i think it really speaks to what the real value of this Cosmo photo mono is as a, a first outing, because as you said, this is an existing emulsion. Yeah. Um, but, but I think it's, you know, 
clearly it's not one that was in the the film zeitgeist and um i mean the one thing which everybody I mean, when um, bellamy was on he was uh commenting on how he he, you know, he wished he'd taken some design cues from your stone because the, the the packaging is great and this is not this is not a small thing this the stuff we're using needs to actually engage us at every step of the way there needs to be a thing which makes us want to pick this up and yeah. go yeah this is what i'm feeling. um but as you said this is not what when you first started thinking i'd like to have a film out in the market this was not what you were thinking it was oh i want to repackage some um pre-existing emulsion you obviously had different designs um now that the cosmo photo is out there and and that the brand and the branding has managed to get a, a good sort of boost of awareness in itself which is an important first step what is the next step for Cosmo Photo Films? Is there going to be a next step for Cosmo Photo Films? I absolutely hope hope so. Yeah, that's my um, my intention. Um, I would love there to be a roster of Cosmo Photo Films in a few years' time. Um, what they would be, uh, I don't know. Um, I do have some ideas of where I think it might go next, but it's not really something I can talk about, unfortunately. God damn it. <laughs> You're as bad as the others. This is no uh, good, Stephen. Come on. But Stephen, you're but, in the middle of doing your second batch, aren't you, at the moment, getting them ready uh, yeah, for ready. in-store? Yeah. So basically, um, uh, I made 2,500 rolls of Cosmo Photo Mono, and... Um, I did it on a pre-order system, which is if you ever launch a film, don't do it on a pre-order. Get the film in into your flat or garage or lockup or wherever, and then start sending it out because it just saves a lot of ball leg. Um, <laughs> um, or the lady equivalent. <laughs> Sorry, Rachel. Equally unpleasant. It's fine. <laughs> um, so uh, I kept a little bit of uh, of that stock behind to send out to bloggers and um, photographers that I, I knew would want to use it. Um, and also just for two other things as well. So I've launched another blog, um, which is called World on Film, where I get people to basically just do a little post about a place they've been that they've shot on film. Now it might be where they live or it might be a place they've visited. Um, so it, it's sort of the loose structure is it's a destination and, and a camera or a destination and film. Um, Cause I just thought that that was, could be quite an interesting thing in a few years. If people really took to it, uh, there would be a load of um, posts from all around the world. And I didn't want to do that thing which is in danger of destroying quality journalism, which is come right for my blog, uh, the exposure will be great. So uh, everyone who writes a post for World on Film gets three rolls of Cosmophoto Mono as a thank you. Um, is that also how they become a cosmonaut? Because I love no. that term. That's so good. <laughs> is that you separate? Become a, mm. You become a cosmonaut. If uh, you uh, if you bought a roll of uh, a roll or more than one roll of Cosmo Photo Mono, um, 
you fill in a short questionnaire and you send five or six pictures. That gets turned into a, a Cosmonauts uh, post on Cosmophoto. And then you get a roll of film sent back to you. I, I wanted to sort of return to that true print, you know, mail mm -hmm. order thing yeah. that you, you used to have in the 80s and 90s where you'd send your films off and your prints would come back with um, with a roll or two of rebranded film. Um, so I just thought that's, that's kind of a very analog thing. Why not bring that back? So I can't, I, I, I'd go bankrupt if I, I, I did three rolls of film, but yeah, everyone who, who takes the time to fill in that questionnaire and send, send uh, a few pics my way gets a, a roll of Cosmo Photo Mono and a mystery gift, which uh, I'm not going to talk about, but the first people who, um, who open the, their little film box in a few weeks' time will also receive this mystery gift. And that is, it's not going to be available in my shop. You can only get it if you're a cosmonaut. This is very exciting. God, so, a mystery uh, gift. Yeah, it's, it's a mystery gift. There you go. You so for all the well. listeners, exactly, for all the listeners to Sony 16 podcast who would like to become a cosmonaut from this point, where would they be best to go to read a bit more about it and find out how to send those in to you? So um, I'm going to put a post up uh, this week um, which uh, tells people how they can become a cosmonaut um, because I, I've sort of done it on my Facebook page and <clears throat> tweets and what have you. But I think it's just good to have a, a sticky um, uh, post that, that people can can refer to. And it also saves me um, uh, copying the uh, the questions into an email, which I've been doing a lot of recently. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, that should be up by the weekend. So, uh, I, mean, I don't know how many people uh, have bought the film who listened to the blog post, but I think there were about 400 people who bought the film from that first batch. Um, so that's, that's quite a few people. That is quite a few people. And when, sorry, I may have missed it. When were you saying that the next batch will be ready to buy? So the, the next batch is currently being um, made now uh, and it should be here at the end of February, here being my house. Um, and a lot of that is actually going to be made available to shops um, because I wanted to get, I think like Bellamy, I wanted people to be able to go into a, a camera shop, film shop, and actually be able to see it sitting mm -hmm. next to the Kodaks and uh, Fuji Films and Ilfords and Foma pans and stuff like that. So um, I've had a lot of really um, encouraging emails from places all over Europe, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Korea, the US, um, Canada. Uh, it's been really great. Um, eventually, once I've finalised all those orders, I'll be able to put a list of, of shops um, where you'll be able to walk in and buy Cosmophoto Mono. So I think the next batch, about 2,000 rolls, will be going to shops. And I'll have a few hundred um, that will be on the on the site 
the shop on my blog. However, in April, I'll be ordered, ordering a, a massive shipment, so 5,000 rolls, because uh, I really want to get the film out there. Um, and I would say at least half of that is going to be available through the blog. Um, That's really exciting. I yeah. hope you've got enough room in your flat for all of this stuff. <laughs> That's what I was wow. thinking, actually. In a minute, I want Aid to say he's going to the break thing because uh, I know you're pushed for time tonight and there's some stuff after break I want to ask you about. But before we do, there's one last question I need to ask you about um, because somebody heard you coming on the show and he said, I need to ask you about this. Uh, where is the best place to get a sausage, bacon and egg bap? Well, I, I don't know if they're listening, but if they are, it might mean that I get a free uh, a free breakfast um, every <laughs> Saturday morning like I had um, on the Saturday. I actually took a friend of mine who's uh, a photographer. I met, God, nearly 20 years ago in Cuba when we'd both gone out to uh, cover the Manic Street Preachers in Cuba. That's where I met him. Uh, and we've stayed friends ever since. Um and we, uh, I live near Greenwich in southeast London. So uh, I'd met him in the park. Uh, he was selling me his Flexorette um, twin lens reflex camera, which he uh, bought and doesn't really like. And because it's from Eastern Europe, obviously I love it. Nope. <laughs> so I was buying his Flexorette off him, and we walked down to his uh, great little um, butchers and sort of cafe near Greenwich Park called Heaps. Uh, and they do the most extraordinarily good bacon, sausage and fried egg bath. It really is amazing. <laughs> and they, But they also do very good vegetarian breakfasts. Hey, yeah. That's good for you, my, migraine, then. <laughs> my, my wife is a vegetarian <clears throat> and she can vouch for the quality of their vegetarian breakfast. Fab. Awesome. I, I do love the fact that that, that courtesy, uh, that question uh, was courtesy of M because I thought we were talking to Stephen tonight. <laughs> and um, that was pretty much the top of his thought process when your name was mentioned. So I don't know what that either says about M or about you, but it definitely says something about somebody. Well, I mean, good bacon is <laughs> is like a pristine Kiev 10 just waiting to be picked up and shot with. Or something. Um, it's no good trying yeah. to convince these two about that. Day, no. but I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. I, I, the, the, uh, the one of the things that will stay with me for many years is the first time I ever took my son, who's only, who's only little, for his first ever full English breakfast, and the oh. look on his face. Oh, <laughs> oh that, this is mine. That's food enjoyment. That is right there, a full English <laughs> breakfast. Okay, excellent. Listen, thank you so much, Stephen, for coming to talk to us about, uh, well, about all sorts of things, about music photography, about being a journalist, and especially about launching Cosmo Photo Film. Uh, no problem. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to, to recap before we go to the break, where would you like our listeners to go and find out more about stories or um, uh, maybe even uh, order some film? Well, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, they can go to uh, cosmophoto.com. Uh, um, as we've discussed, the film is currently out of stock um, uh, just while I'm waiting for that shipment to come. But uh, they can buy other things, which are postcards and um, 
uh, stickers based on um, the sort of spirit of the packaging. And I, uh, I know we've talked, sort of touched on this, but you know, that is one of the things I really, really wanted. I had a really clear idea of, you know, what a bespoke film should look like. And that was basically not like any of the major film producers packaging. Um, film is this amazing, incredible product that allows you to, you know, create pictures and keep them for hundreds of years. And, you know, with no disrespect to a lot of the, the companies who make film, a lot of film packaging is really boring. It's just yep. not, it's not like exciting to look at. And if you, <laughs> if you look at, sort of pictures taken back in the 70s and 80s with all the, you know, the myriad, you know, long gone film producers. But, you know, even stuff like Kodak with that outsized red and gold K, it was just like classic design. It looked awesome and it made you like want to pick it up and open it and see what was inside. So I wanted to get, you know, a little more of that, you know, that loud, exciting packaging that makes you want to buy it without, without being sort of ugly, but, you know, colourful and, and you know, visually interesting. And, and part, of that, uh, part of that sort of visual influence is um, this is one thing that I'd, I'd suggest like listeners do is if you type in Soviet matchbox art, into um, uh, Google and do an image search, you would just see this amazing sort of graphic design um, school that, that sort of grew up around the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe during the Cold War. And it's a very particular style and it was used for everything from like matchbox covers to like camera and, you know, camera boxes to all sorts of stuff. But it, it, it's impossible to describe, but you know it when you see it. And, it, you know, a, a lot of it was quite, uh, like, basic or rudimentary printing, so you get that sort of colour overlaps. And that was, that was totally what I wanted my film to look like. I wanted to evoke that stuff. Well, I tell you what, um, you have totally achieved that. Uh, we've been, uh, yeah, we've been talking even on this show about the packaging for for the Cosmo photo film uh, since since you first started publishing <laughs> uh, the ideas well, behind well, it. Well, I, I have to give a shout out to the man who did it uh, actually because it's I'm not a graphic designer, but um, it's my friend Martin who is otherwise known as my mate does art, um, <laughs> who is is an absolutely brilliant graphic designer. He, he totally got it from. Um, you know, pretty much from the, the get-go and created the beautiful box art. And then we created these postcards to sort of fit in the theme, um, which you can find on the site, which is sort of inspired by the Cosmo photo packaging. But if you look at the packaging, you've got a little spaceship soaring into the heavens uh, or, you know, in the cosmos. Uh, and there's a, there's a few sort of related images he did, um, including one of a cosmonaut, taking a picture um and that we are going to revisit that uh over the course of the next few years i think and do basically build up a whole lot of artwork 
um, which has come from that packaging. And uh, my plan is also to incorporate World on Film mm. into that. So the, there's going to be, well, one thing I can tell you is there's going to be a lot more art um, that you'll be able to buy, posters, perhaps, postcards, stickers, that all relate to that, you know, Cold War Eastern European graphic graphical school because it's just such a beautiful um, art form and I just think it's really nice to to bring back something something tangible and physical along with the film that isn't isn't just you know oh I'm buying a roll of film it's like well I, I might buy that postcard as well or actually you know those stickers would be really nice and I'll stick them on my laptop. I'm, I'm still yet to uh, see a Cosmo photo sticker. When I released the film, I had some stickers made and the, I only had enough for the first 200 orders, but I just put a little sticker in, in the box of film. Uh, and I'm, I'm waiting for the day that I, I walk past somebody's camera bag and they've got a Cosmo photo sticker on there. Mm-hmm. It'd be a bit like a novelist seeing somebody reading their novel on the tube, I think. Yeah, it's a w- weird feeling like seeing something in HMV and then you're like, wow, oh, that's fine. It's a very cool, like, very cool feeling. And I, what I love about your um, uh, film, your boxes of film is that they feel they feel like little treasures, actually. You know, I, I've loved sort of sending them off, like for my Emulsive Secret Santa, I sent them off um, because they feel like a nice little gift that you can kind of introduce somebody to analog for the first time with it as well you know and uh, I've been trading with them recently um, for uh, for somebody helping me do some scans and things I was like well have a have a lovely box of Cosmo photo film because it looks like a lovely present so um, it's been great Stephen thank you I'm (laughs) very happy to hear that that's great Okay, listeners, well, uh, you heard it here. So go to cosmophoto.com and there will be a link in the show notes um, uh, and experience this design uh, for yourself uh, through air. Well, and I, I should point out, obviously, just to be massively confusing that it's Cosmo with a K and photo with an F. Oh, yeah. Why not? That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Okay, and on that bombshell, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Right, okay, uh, we've all been off uh, to bump around our houses and get extra drinks. I think we've established that most of the crew are still alive. Uh, and Graham has some news, billy, 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 boo, as they say. And then, wait, have we got a, a breaking news theme, Graham? Well, uh, not quite just yet. I don't want to call it breaking news. I want to bring an email to your attention. So we had an email this week from um, Bill Lehman, who we haven't heard from Bill for a long time, so it's great to hear back from him. So um, Bill writes, Hey there, Sunbeams. Greetings from the icebox that is the Midwest. As I write to you today, we are currently recovering from our second snap of below zero degrees Fahrenheit weather, which is very, very cold. As you can imagine, that makes outdoor photography a thrilling experiment as to what will freeze first, your shutter or your nose. Um, I've been listening to the show. Great job, by the way. Thanks, Bill. And there seems to be a recurring theme. We will get to the next Cheap Shots Challenge, maybe next week. Is all this procrastination because Aid won the last one? (laughs) Most likely, Um, yes. That's very astute, Bill. Very astute indeed. (laughs) 
Um, you've already <laughs> recorded this week's show, so maybe I'm already remiss in my request and you have announced it. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to change cameras this time around. I love shooting with my Kodak Duoflex, but 620 film is very expensive. Um, so I went on eBay and found a Yashica Electro 35 for the awesome closing price of $1. Looking forward to whatever you pull out of that hat, Graham. Um, so obviously, I mean, huge listener demand means it is <laughs> why are you calling bill a huge listener that's so rude <laughs> it oh, means it, look, you shut listen you two they were building up the drama here I mean, it's not one <laughs> thing to insult the guest it's another thing to insult the listeners <laughs> ah, look it makes everybody feel more party if they're all being insulted it's um i can't remember what i'm looking for it doesn't matter inclusive. it's cheap shot challenge time it's, it's inclusive yeah it's inclusive it's cheap shots challenge time can we just get to the cheap shots challenge already i'm so excited it has been literally months <laughs> and months and months since we last did a cheap shots challenge um what, 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 what happened in the last one i think you have the three of us graham didn't you come something like fourth God, listen, we had a very, very bad judge of everything on the last. Um, so you can't say that down. because since he did that, he has been nom- he has been won the listener award for pillar of I, the community. So. I, I can't be held responsible for the mistakes that the community makes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. For, just so you know, Stephen, um, M judged the last cheap shots challenge and he did a oh, very, God, very no, bad <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, ugh, just ugh. There will have to be an independent adjudication of that, surely. The man yeah. is, I, I, I hate to use the word corrupt, but, well, corrupt. It, yeah, yeah, I could not agree more. It was just, oh, fast, I have no idea. He'll do point. anything for a, 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 a heaps uh, bacon bat, anything. <laughs> I've heard that about him. So for listeners who may not have been around when we did the last Cheap Shots Challenge, I suppose we ought to do a quick recap on what it is. The basic idea is that this is to prove how economically you can enjoy shooting film. So what we want you to do is go out in the world and for less than £20 or it's about $20 now, isn't it? Is there much difference in the exchange rate? I don't know. Somewhere around that price, a cheap price find a camera um and, and then film. sorry we said camera and film a camera that. and film yeah absolutely um it can be any sort of camera but the thing you have to remember is that today we're going to pull out from our little holger box of magic a theme that we're going to be shooting and we want you to join in with as well and shoot for the next probably couple of months um you know we've already done is it three aid uh i think so because I think it's 2-1 to me at the moment, isn't it? I forget. <laughs> I've been in one. And, I only and Rachel's, one only been, Rachel's only been in one, yeah, yeah. So, And she broke her camera and it was a disaster. So yeah. we've already done street photography, we did wildlife, and we did uh, port- portraiture. Portraiture. Oh, well, you must have done four then, because that, oh, done, the one that we did recently we was four, macro. Yeah. Wasn't it? And we did macro as well. Yes, that's right. Um, so, yeah, actually, I think I, I've won two. I think it's two all, I think, oh, at this okay. point. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So, um, so and the the topics that we pick, um, we originally made made the list from the um, breakdown of uh, different subjects on, I think it was 500px. So um, that's where they're coming from. So find a camera for less than 20. Ideally, you want you to try and find a new one if you can because it's always good to buy more stuff. But, um, you know, whatever means necessary to get a cheap camera, take part in this. Um, 
and then we will talk about how we want you to share your pictures with us at the end of this he says hoping he's really thought of the answer to that question by the time he gets to the end of this sentence um but the most important thing is uh that we will be getting somebody awesome on to judge these pictures at the end and in particular judge the hosts of the show and see whose pictures <laughs> are the best and they will be mine um because i'm the greatest um okay right let me open the Holger box of joint. So, so uh, I, I, yeah, I can't believe you've still actually got that box full of stuff. It's been a good <laughs> while now, but it's, yeah. So, so um, are you shuffling around inside the papers? Are, are, are they invisible to you, so you can't cheat on what topic yeah. it is? Yeah, they are. They are. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Are you ready to announce this uh, this round? Oh, yes. Is everybody ready? Okay. okay. <clears throat> Go on, then. Have a drum roll. Then, are you ready for the drum roll? Yep. Drum roll, please. Oof. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) If Graham has that reaction, then the rest of us are worried. Is it nude self-portraits? Oh, God. Oh, no, Graham would love that. (laughs) Okay. This one could be a challenge. Um, The subject for the next Cheap Shots Challenge is sports photography. (laughs) Blimey. Yeah. That is a challenging one <laughs> in February. I have to go and watch sports now in February. I have to be somewhere that I can point a camera. Mm. No, okay. listen, I, I think because of the time of the year and because it's difficult and because, let's face it, most people who are into photography are also not into, you know, generally sporty activities as well. The two don't tend to go hand in hand. I think. How dare you be talking about my shape again? <laughs> <laughs> you referred to yourself as Pudsy, not me. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to broaden out slightly if it's all right with you guys as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Broaden out. So say that it's we want sort of physical activity. So, you know, it could be something sporting. But maybe you've got pictures of somebody hula hooping. Maybe I don't know <laughs> what you could do, but just something showing some good energetic activity to make it something that's maybe a bit easier because um yeah it's not really always terribly easy to get out and see people doing sports and stuff but i'm sure that there are going to be people out there who are going to do great stuff um aiden rach have Mm. you both got cameras to use at the moment Mm. i do Mm. yes because if you remember right if you remember actually i had bought a voigtlander 110 camera and that mm-hmm. broke, but I did have a second uh, 110 camera, which which may have been a little bit over the price range. I think I paid 25 quid for it, but I have a little Pentax Auto 110 SLR, so I do have a working camera. At least I think it was working last time I saw it anyway. <laughs> and Rachel, awesome. thank you. Yeah, so um, I have been thinking about this. As, as um, obviously um, Bill mentioned, um, it's been a while in the... Uh, in the offing this and we've, we hadn't quite got there and obviously with my previous camera being such a disaster that um i only got one frame out of it um i decided that actually yeah with it being broken and definitely not working i needed a new one and i did actually find um just before christmas actually a canon sure shot um af i think in the uh in the charity shop and it was eight quid so um so i thought that would be a good one for for the challenge for the cheap shots challenge because that would fit in with the uh, under the £20 mark. Perfect. Now, Stephen, you've written quite a few blogs, both on your own website and for other people, about um, getting into film photography for the first time and how economical it can be. 
a lot of the cameras that people are going to be using for this are going to be cheap, low-end cameras. These aren't going to be um, fancy SLRs with expensive lenses on them. Have yeah. you got any good tips for how people can get the most of it, particularly with the fact that they need to try and get interesting pictures along a sports theme in mind? <laughs> any good ideas? Physical activity. Oh, I, <laughs> I would recommend a, a an actual particular model um, only because millions of them were made. And uh, long before I lived in this part of London, I came down here to one of its several um, markets on a weekend and bought one of these cameras for four pounds. And it worked. And I still have it 15 Ooh. years later. And it still works. Uh, and that camera is a Zenit E. No, now listen, come on, don't do that. I, I, I might insult our listeners, but don't make their lives horrible. What's wrong with the Zenit E? It's a fantastic camera. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> if you can find one where the uh, the meter is still working, that would help. Uh, if, the, if the cloth shutter hasn't deteriorated. Look, there are hundreds of thousands of... Is in is still working absolutely fine, uh, and even amidst the rise of um, uh, the price of pretty much every other camera, um, because millions of these things uh, have been made, uh, they're still pretty cheap. I, I saw one in a charity shop literally this weekend, um, just near my house. Two lenses, thirty quid. Yeah, what? is it because there's millions of them, or is it because they're a bit crap? I mean, they are, they are a bit crap, Steve. Come on now. I'm I'm bringing the Zenit E back. Who needs a Leica? <laughs> if right. I could take my Zenit E back, I would as well. <laughs> you get <So>, a refund. <laughs> that that is one of the biggest uh, pieces I've ever written for the blog. Was uh, just doing a sampler of images uh, that I taken. Um, with my Zenit E. Um, How does it I, do in physical activity? Uh, have I shot it? I never. I would have to actually go out and um, shoot a roll with it if I'm going to take part in this. But there, there is. I checked it the other day. There's half a roll of um, Lomography Chrome X Pro film, which um, is obviously not made anymore. So, yep, yep, why the hell not? Uh, I I did this piece and I put it on Reddit and it went absolutely bonkers. I, I think it had 15,000 views in a day. Oof. So stick that up your ass. <laughs> well said, sir. Well, it, well, well, absolutely well said. All right. So uh, if, I were, if I were listening to this show, I know which one of you two I'd be listening to and it wouldn't be Graham. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, um, Stephen. Uh, uh, I think you you've you've kindly stayed with us longer than you said you were able to, um, and we've got a bit of housekeeping stuff to do and some and, and some messages to read out. So if you need to to say goodbye uh, uh, and leave us to finish the show, I fully understand. Are you, is that is that what you need to do right now? I I, I do. I'm afraid I'll, I'll leave with this parting uh, message. Um, uh, well, two parting messages. Uh, thank you for. Uh, letting me take part for my uh, first Sunny 16. Um, and also, uh, I'm always looking for stories from people for my other blog, 
which we've mentioned, um, World on Film. Um, so if you go to uh, worldonfilm.net, uh, you can find out how you can submit story ideas, uh, you know, a place in the world that you've been to where you've shot film. Um, you mentioned that aid went to Bhutan. <laughs> that Bhutan has not been covered in World on Film yet, so uh, I'd be very interested to see what you have. And you get free Cosmo Photo Mono Film for taking part as well. Well, that's got to be worth it, then, hasn't it? Absolutely, yes. All right, I hadn't thought about that actually. Well, I always you know blank out and think, oh, it'd be great for our listeners to do, and I always forget actually I could do this stuff too. <laughs> You're a photographer <laughs> too. Uh, I, I, yeah, occasionally, yeah, <laughs> when I can get out from behind this microphone. Um, all right, okay, brilliant. Thanks again, uh, Stephen. Great to talk to you. Um, uh, and um, yeah, good luck with. Uh, the next batch and and all the other projects you've got on thank you and um i'm sure we'll be speaking again maybe in a few months when other things like come into the world that i can't talk about yay thanks Stephen. it's been lovely to chat to you thank you (laughs) bye-bye thanks guys Okay, that's what do you think? that sounds like a cheap shot if ever I heard one. <laughs> Great. That sounds like a robot from a nineteen seventy-five sci-fi movie. It's awesome. Ready? One more. Don't awesome. use it too much, it might actually break. <laughs> it might do, you're right, actually, Ed. I'll stop there. <laughs> save save some for the competition. Okay, yeah. all right. So that is the Sunny Sixteen competition, and that little break there um, has given Graham an opportunity to decide how he would like to receive uh, your submissions for this show. Uh, show this show, this silly boy. This this round of the Cheap Shots Challenge. Yep. So the plan is what we would like you to do. So like I said, we're going to give this a couple of months, a, a good couple of months to run. So we're um, on the twenty second of. January as we record this so we'll probably be looking to wrap this up um end of March that sound good to you guys yeah it sounds great doesn't it um what we would like to do so you can shoot as many rolls of film as you want to frankly um although if you're any like me that'll be one if you're lucky um share your pictures on Instagram and on Twitter and on Flickr using the hashtag cheap shots challenge um, so we can see them and keep the rest of them but what we'd like you to do this time which we haven't done in the past to make it easier for judging and to just make things a bit more streamlined because hopefully there's going to be loads of you out there who are going to get involved with it this time is we would like you once you've shot your roll of film to pick your two favourite pictures your two winners from your roll of film or your one if you've only got one that's fine i'll be lucky if i've got one and email them to us at sunny16podcast at gmail.com and just put in the subject line cheap shots challenge so we know which ones are which and it's easy to keep track of them all and then as i said end of march we'll get somebody awesome to come on who will cast their judging eye over these pictures um it won't be m because he's oh, i can say or m um you know because he did quite well last time he was on the show <laughs> and for life um so yeah please do get involved it's really good fun um and what i love most about it is when you see people who you're you're pushing the limits are quite often of what these cameras were meant to be doing um 
because you know people have uh, had to come up with fairly crazy ways and improvisations. I think the last round was macro, and there was a lot of people reversing lenses and doing all sorts of fun stuff. Neil Piper, because um, Neil Piper, or Neil Piper was using a pinhole camera as his cheap shots. <laughs> challenge camera so i'm really looking forward to seeing how one captures sport on a pinhole but you know what i bet if anyone can do it neil can so um it's great fun please do get involved if you've got any questions just drop us a line but it's pretty straightforward really um and yeah crack on everyone and guys i look forward to beating both of you i'm sure (laughs) that you do (laughs) all right okay so that's launched that that's good we can tick that box we have launched the cheap shots challenge we also historically have trouble closing them so i'm very glad you set an end date (laughs) so we have uh as we well as this goes out uh to the listening masses we have little over two months for people to submit their images should be plenty time well what could possibly go wrong you know shooting with old slow (laughs) film cameras in the dark and the rain and the snow (laughs) january february this will be great fast film baby (laughs) okay all right then on to uh well i think we have another listener email don't we we do. I, I just want to finish up because I want to see if you guys, especially you, Rach, no offense, say, have got some. Because Bill had one more thing in his email I'm going to bring up now. Um, on a totally different note, I have a serious question for the three of you. So put on your serious faces, please. All of this talk of pinhole made me want to give it a go. I have an Argus C3 I picked up cheap. The rangefinder is in crap condition, so I pulled the lens and am making a pinhole to fit over the shutter. I plan on using metal from a pop can and a pin to make the pinhole and then affixing it to the outside of the shutter somehow. How do I figure the aperture for it? I don't think I have any way of measuring the size of the pin, nor will I know the distance to the film plane. Do I really need to know that or am I just being a little too precious about it? Is there a time you would suggest starting exposure at for what will likely be Fuji Superior 400? Thanks, guys. Any answers are appreciated. Rach, you're our number one maker. What advice have you got for Bill? There's some interesting apps and uh, useful um, sites you can go to on the internet. Things like Pinhole Calculator. Um, I'd suggest he probably starts there. Um, They have some really nice, easy ways of working out aperture from uh, depending on how you do it. To be honest, with the pop can and pin, that's how I make pinholes anyway. So um, I'm quite happy doing that. Um, I know that Justin Quinnell, who we've had on in the past as well, um, in his in his book, he talks you through how you would um, work that out as well. And generally, if you get a, a rule and measure, you can figure out how many um pinholes worth you could get within one millimeter and that'll give you a very sort of rough guide um usually i aim for around 0.2 of a mil um for mine um and um and then yeah just kind of give it a go i really wouldn't be too precious about it that's generally not how i approach these things but as a starting point maybe pinhole calculator is a a good place to start yeah so Rach, how too... do you make a, a 0.2 millimeter hole then because i know that i mean i i'm very fortunate because i have a reality so subtle and uh, and that has a, a laser drilled pinhole of about 0.2 yeah. but not everybody has a laser drill no and, and i have um i have attempted that in the past with various different trying to find something really thin and then i ended up with like fish hooks and things in the end i just used a normal um a normal pin sort of like a, a sewing 
pin needle type pin um and and the pot can as um as bill has, suge- has suggested that he's going to be doing as well um using it on one of those sort of self-healing mats so it's got a little bit of give um and if you hold the the shim they call the shim which is the aluminium flat um and twist the pin um between your fingers um between like your thumb and your forefinger um just sort of very gently pressing it because it's going into a self-healing mat it's got a little bit of give and you just want to do that very gently um and eventually it, it might just take a little bit of time so don't rush it you don't want to actually push the pin the whole way through um you just want it just so that it starts to show a little bit of light through so you want to keep pulling it sort of like picking it up looking through um at some light to see when you can finally start to see light appearing and then you'll want to turn the shim over and a little bit of um sandpaper to file it down on the other side and that will make sure that it's nice and round uh, and precise as um as a pinhole itself okay yeah. that sounds good i do have a little bit of a tip i think on the on the focal length because mm-hmm. I think, Rach, if I remember rightly, isn't the focal length simply the distance from the hole to the film? Uh, yes. When you do, so so if you if you have um, if you're trying to calculate stuff, um, let's say you have um, uh, sixty mil from uh, you know as the distance from your pinhole to your film plane, um, mm-hmm. then that's so, and your aperture would be let's say point. let's say 0.6 of a millimeter just to make it slightly uh slightly easier to do then then that would make your aperture uh f over 100 because it would be Mm -hmm. 0.6 of a mil over 60 mil so if you can get about 0.2 uh and i think and i understand that a lot of pinhole designers aim for somewhere between 40 and 60 mil as the focal length um, so you're going to have an aperture somewhere around uh, you know, f200 or something like that i think is where you need to be aiming for but uh, um, it, it is as simple as have, having a, a, a decent enough estimate of the distance between the hole and the film you see bill says in his email doesn't he that he doesn't have any way of measuring the size of the pin so we've covered that we should we don't really need to know the size of the pin it's about how you actually create the hole um and trying to um work out how many times that'll go into a millimeter that'll give you you then break it down all that's you know 0.2 or 0.4 or what have you um but he also says he wouldn't know the distance to the film plane i think that might just be a bit of a guesstimate to be honest yeah, it's not, that's, it from the side. that's not yeah. hard though is it i mean <laughs> a ruler will help you figure that yes. out <laughs> yeah. and um and i use just I, mean, I use an android phone and i just have an app called pinhole and then if you just put in the numbers that you've got even if they are just guesstimates they'll give you a good close approximation um fuji superior is such a nice flexible forgiving yeah. film i don't know what its reciprocity fade is like so maybe try it out on a reasonably sunny day to begin with but um uh yeah just don't worry too much about it the, the key thing is just don't worry about it just go for it and you, you're shooting film so just bracket um you know a nice long roll of 35 um 36 exposures just bracket each shot you know yeah you might get one you might get one fil- um one shot out of that but take some notes make sure you've got one of your um shoot film co um field notes books and uh take some notes as you're doing it i think that would be top tip yeah absolutely um do one of you guys want to read the next uh, email uh, yeah, I can do that. No problem at all. So this is an email from Jeremy North. Hi, Jeremy. He says, hi, people of a sunny disposition and Graham. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's been a while since I've been in touch. Uh, I've had to rearrange my listening schedule, dear. Formerly, I listened to all of my photography-related podcasts on a Wednesday which meant that I was always a week late <laughs> with Sunny 16. That's, yeah, uh, so missed out on an immediate feedback opportunity. Anyway, I do continue to enjoy your podcast, even though I cringe at Graham's abusing of all other contributors, hosts and their dogs and kids and grandchildren. <laughs> oh, I can see now why you wanted somebody else to read this one. He said, I know he loves you all, really. Yeah, I'm not sure that he does, but OK, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for just now. Says, I'm sure that underneath that bitter and twisted exterior beats the heart of a bitter and twisted man. <laughs> um, not wrong. Graham <laughs> seems to know you pretty well. He does, yeah. So anyway, so Jeremy goes on to say, not only have I, this is too many Jeremys on this show now. This is the Jeremy, <laughs> by the way, that on Twitter, when, when you put the call out, right, saying who the hell's Jeremy or somebody did, he, he replied, yeah. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he says, not only have I managed my listening schedule to be more current with Sunny 16ness, but I've had to rearrange my visit to the photography show. Ah, I had intended to go on the Saturday as I can get there by train. Uh, as for about as much as the ripoff car parking fee, it isn't cheap to park there, actually. Uh, the Sunday trains aren't as early or frequent, but the lure of the f meeting the fabulous Sunny 16s in all their glory has made me rethink my strategy this year. Ah, okay. So this, I hope you're worth it. <laughs> well, yeah, two out of three ain't bad. Um, or should you be privileged to meet? Should you be privileged to meet we the listeners? That is actually a much better way around of putting it, Jeremy. Uh, we are all very much looking forward to meeting our yeah. listeners, and uh, uh, there's definitely going to be more value for us, I think, in that for, than for you lot. <laughs> Anyway, it'll be good to meet up with all those who've made a similar sacrifice. <laughs> In future, I think the tail should wag the dog. I'm not sure what he means by that exactly. Maybe the listeners should set the dates. In the meantime, don't big up too much the disabled photographer's charity stand, as I hope there'll be something left for me when I get there. In the past, I've bought an Olympus OM2N, wow, an Olympus Pen F with light meter attachment. And I'm not even an Olympus fanboy, but they tend not to have any of my predilections. Zeiss, Zeiss and thrice Zeiss. <laughs> oh, yes. And contacts, which is also Zeiss. <laughs> uh, for now, that's all. So I wish you well. My sonny's Jeremy, the real one. <laughs> you know, I think Jeremy's going to be in luck because unfortunately, I don't think Neil Piper is going to be able to make it because for the very flimsy excuse that apparently uh, he has a child due on that exact day. So, I mean, oh, I think he should just come anyway. It'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> just bring his wife along too. And that way, if he needs to get to the hospital, it's not a problem. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm very excited and also slightly terrified of uh, meeting Jeremy because um I was chatting to Hamish, who's already had the pleasure of meeting Jeremy, and uh, and also having just read Jeremy's forthright opinions expressed on the internet, um, I'm worried he's going to punch me in the face or something like that, just on the grounds that I talk so much rubbish. But uh, be birds of a feather. <laughs> no, but his opinions are based more on fact than mine are. Mine are based. <laughs> mine are more of a bullshit-based um, fact. So, um, but no, it's going to be great. I'm really glad Jeremy's going to be there. And there's been quite a few other people who have said they're going to be joining us. So. Um, oh, we got that code actually, Aid. Yes. We, we dropped in last week. Well, I think, um, Rachel, wasn't it you that organised this for us? Yeah, so I got in touch with the photography show and said, give me some code, please. <laughs> uh, we need one for the listeners. So they kindly came back to us and said, no problem at all. We're very much looking forward to having you guys there. So just to clarify, we're going to be there not 
on a stall or anything like that. We're just going to go for a meetup and a chat and probably some cups of tea. Um, but they have given us a code, which is SUN, S-U-N, 16, T-P-S, 18. So that's SUN, 16, as in the 1-6, T-P-S, 1-8. And that's the code for the photography show. So it'll give you £3 off your ticket. Uh, so I know it's not much, but it's a little bit. And every little helps, as they say. So um, hopefully... Price one of those cups of tea you just mentioned. Exa- exactly. So uh, I don't know if it'll give it you enough for a sherbet, you know, uh, a uh, pint, <laughs> as, uh, as Jeremy puts it. Um, but uh, but hopefully for a cup of tea. So £3 off can't be bad. And um, that will help you get into the photography show. I think that lasts up until the 14th of March. So I guess sooner, sooner you book your tickets, the better. Yeah, then... I think... I, I I think actually you know you say three quid rich but i think that i think you qualify now as the as the show's chief negotiator because the three quid is actually quite a large proportion of the ticket price isn't it so. <laughs> oh well good i am i'm pleased to hear that that will help um so yeah so uh, we're going to be there as the three of us the sunnies um on this sunday the sunday which is the, yeah, the 18th 18, 18th the 18th of march okay all right excellent stuff there is actually a a, a, um, a a sunny 16 fringe show actually on the 24th of march isn't there as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um hamish is uh, going to be running the the birmingham um version of the beers and cameras events and that's on the 24th of march unfortunately i won't be able to make that i don't know if either of you are around that date uh, sadly i'm not sure that i can make mm-hmm. it either i'm afraid um but i'm sure there will be there will be some more in future so if you aren't able to make the photography show i'm sure hamish would be thrilled to see you at the beers and cameras meetup which yeah, graham, he'll be running in birmingham graham will go as well because graham, yeah. graham's our token midlander isn't he so i mean we have a good geographical spread across the across yes. england in this show so yeah if i can make it i certainly will and just um for listeners the uh, analog talk guys had uh i can't remember his name now but One. they had uh, there, there you go, Juan, the founder of the Beers and Cameras um, kind of organisation uh, on their show back at, that was their most recent show, wasn't it, Rach? Uh, yeah, one of the quite recent ones, it was it was sort of uh, mid-December, I think, um, when he was on, on the Analogue Talk show, so um, it's nice because it gives you a bit of background to obviously how it came about, and um, they, they run, um, he set that up, I think, in America, and it sort of ended up with um, further afield versions, so, uh, so this was the sort of like Midlands one, and I believe Robert uh, from London Camera Project is going to be running the London one, which will be happening at some point soon as well yes, uh, i don't have the date for that <laughs> okay all right well there you go there's some stuff so um i guess it's almost time to close the show but before i do is there any other business i just wanted to say that i've got myself um a new batch of old film new batch of old film uh, some expired 120 ready for roll film week which is this week and for 127 day which is this weekend so uh, graham when you uh, come up to visit me we'll going to be going out with our box cameras and we can do a bit of shooting yeah, we are. And I just want to say that Rachel has once again put a lovely article up on 35LMC recapping um, when we had the guys from the ham camera company on the show. So mm-hmm. if you haven't checked out the, is it weekly or bi-weekly, Rach? Bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. <laughs> I've got enough to be getting on with. <laughs> yeah. Um, see Rachel's writing over there because she's, uh, yeah, because I don't do writing. So we leave that to Rachel. <laughs> yes, uh, neither of us do a lot of writing, do we? But there we go. Okay, but thank you to Rachel for taking that on. So, uh, well, I, I have one last thing as well myself to mention. Um, we talked uh, on last week's show uh, about the Kodak coin. 
uh, all these, uh, and um, uh, well, one of our. Uh, do we still call him a friend of the show? I suspect we probably should, shouldn't we? Um, Dave, friend of the show, Dave, and I think I think was our first ever guest on Sunny Sixteen Show One or Two. I think yeah, he was very Something early on. Like that. Given given that this is eighty six, we're recording now. It was a while ago. It's been a while since Dave's been on this. It's nineteen eighty six. Hang on, what? <laughs> no, this is show. This is show eighty six. I know. I know. <laughs> So, given that, uh, yeah, given that this is uh, is uh, show eighty six, it's a while since Dave's been on. But Dave got in touch to say, well, broadly speaking, he, he got in touch to say that was a pathetic exploration of the code of coin. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and oddly enough, actually, uh, so uh, I have just recorded a, a second podcast on the Kodak coin phenomenon uh, uh, on my other podcast, uh, the future of photography. Uh, and uh, as luck would have it, my my um, co-broadcaster Chris Marquardt is actually quite the geek and, and, and actually understands these things and has been able to explain it to me um, a little bit better so that, that show actually we've, we've timed that show um, to be released uh, in about two weeks time when uh, when the Kodak coin is, is supposed to be launching um, uh, and um, and is doing its ICO its, its initial coin offering uh, so if you want to find out more about that um, then, then tune into the future of photography at the time you can find awesome. that at thefutureofphotography.com, of course. <laughs> right, okay, uh, that brings us, I think, to the end of this uh, edition of the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, thanks to Chris at the... Uh, the, the, the Thanks to Chris at the Pixelated Photographer uh, for hosting uh, our show. Um, you can get in touch with us on the internet. Uh, we are, of course, Sunny Sixteen Podcast on Instagram. You will find Graham on Twitter. You will find me, and on Facebook, you will find Rachel. Um, you can email us as well, and of course, you should be getting ready to be practicing the email. Sunny Sixteen Podcast dot com. No, Sunny Sixteen Podcast <laughs> at Gmail dot com. Even. Yes, see, this is why we need to practice emailing because we've got a Cheap Shots <laughs> challenge and we need to all practice our emailing. Um, music, of course, uh, as always, um, by Rocha, uh, Rachel's band. Uh, Promises I Should Have Kept is their album and you can get that on Spotify, Amazon or iTunes. <sighs> I think I managed to close the show without too many errors there. And so on that note, it's been great talking to you all. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.